everyone, we have a special announcement. We are looking into some advertisement opportunities, but before we can do that, we need your help. So please fill out our survey at SurveyMonkey. Um, it's only going to be a few questions that tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, we need some listener information so that we can get our advertisements better catered to you guys. So the link for that is uh, www.surveymonkey.com forward slash r forward slash tdm 297L. And we will post that link somewhere because it's kind of a messy link. All right. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I spent, like, sometimes when I'm trying to go to sleep at night, I'll be like, I forgot to do this on that claim. And I'm like, I don't need this in my life. (laughs) Silence. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Trying to give like I'm trying to give like a good amount of time before I say anything. <laughs> it was just like you were performing stand up to a really shitty audience. Uh, I don't even I don't even know what you just said. Mm, good stuff. <laughs> so mm. podcasting. <laughs> Oh, this is no. a great cold open. Okay. This is what it will be. Okay. <laughs> today. Today we are here. And it's International Women's Day today. So hooray for us. We made it to this. We did it. Whatever this, this is. Specific point in time where we can uh lounge about on a Friday night and attempt to record things on our computers. Yeah. Whew. Okay. So. All right. Welcome to Lit in Love. That's what this is. I'm Haley. And I'm Mariah. And we are lit and in love with lit and the love that exists within lit. Lit meaning literature. Hi, we like books. And we have our BAs in English, so we are totally qualified to give our opinions on books and the couples in books you know and love. Today, We are talking about literary classic Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier, and we dedicate this episode to our lovely friend Caitlin, as she loves this book and tries to buy copies of it whenever we go to the bookstore. Enjoy. Enjoy. All right. A little backstory on uh, the novel and uh, the author. It was published in 1938, and Rebecca was a bestseller and sold 2,829,000 313 copies doing its publication in 1938 and 1965. Thank you, Wikipedia. And this book has never gone out of print. Daphne du Maurier was an English author and playwright, and she is classified as a romantic novelist. Her stories have been described as moody and resonant with overtones of the paranormal. This novel has been adapted for film by Alfred Hitchcock, as well as her short story, The Birds and Others, And uh, Caitlin and I watched the movie version of Rebecca. And I mean, I don't super recommend it. It was super long, but they also talked very quickly. So we had to like slow it down, but then it made the movie even longer. (laughs) It was just like, it was super dramatic (laughs) and slow. And I expected a little bit more. And I think we both didn't think that the actor who played Maxim was a good choice. We both had somebody different in mind. So it was just like, eh, eh, I wouldn't recommend it. It's like two and a half hours long. You know what? 
I think that they should remake it. Oh, yes. And yeah, I think they could do a really good job with modern cinematography because this is such a cool concept. Like, it's so cinematic. It really is. Manderley is supposed to be this like gorgeous, beautiful place with it's like luscious. Oh, it would be really good. And I feel like, uh, yes, that's a good idea. We should get on that. We'll get right on that. Writing a script. Oh, yeah. Next. Definitely. <laughs> okay. Wait a minute. Where am I? Themes. Some of the themes of the novel are marriage, love, passion, death, lies, deceit, the past, murder, clashing societal classes, and justice. And the setting is uh, there's a fictional hotel called Monte Carlo. And there's Manderley around 1938. It's probably, Manderley is probably located in Southern England. It's like a fictional estate that's like super beautiful. And it reminds me a little bit of Mr. Darcy's estate in Pemberley. Uh, it, Mr. Darcy's estate, Pemberley in Pride and Prejudice. It's just this grand, beautiful place. And I think that there's also, they like go to like some sort of other city near Manderley at a certain time in the book, but I don't even remember what that city was called. It's mostly at Manderley. Haley, you're good. You're ready. <laughs> you got it. Go characters. Okay, characters. So we have the main character, and she doesn't have a name. That is meaningful. So she is a paid companion slash servant for an obnoxious old woman in Monte Carlo. Um, And then she becomes a wealthy upper-class wife in England. So the woman that she is a companion to is Mrs. Van Hopper. She reminds me a lot of Mrs. Bennett in Pride and Prejudice. Um, She's very dramatic, um, but she's not obsessed with the protagonist getting married, so that's the main difference. But Um, she's kind of possessive over the protagonist and, uh, just kind of stuffy and like obnoxious and embarrassing, just overall unpleasant. Um, and so she's hurt when the protagonist doesn't want to work for her anymore and wants to leave her, um, to marry Maxim. So Maxim becomes the protagonist's husband. He's the main love interest. He is grumpy, sassy, sarcastic, um, and ultimately has quite a bit of secrets. Um, He's got a lot of skeletons in his closet. Um, Doesn't have a Bertha in his attic, but he does have other stuff going on. (laughs) So then there's Mrs. Danvers, um, or Danny, who is in love with Rebecca, um, like – totally obsessed with her and preserving her memory and making sure that the house is exactly as she left it. Um, She does not accept the protagonist as the new woman of the house. She served as Rebecca's maid since Rebecca was a child. Um, And then there's Frank Crawley, who is Maxim's agent and very loyal to him, um, to a fault. And then there's Jack, who is annoying. He's a drunkard. He's slimy. And um, he's Rebecca's what? Whoa, whoa, whoa! He's husband. Cousin. He's cousin. Did I? I put husband. Oh also my gosh! Cousin? No, yeah. He's a weird cousin. Rel. He's like a some sort of relative and alleged lover. Um, later confirmed. And then there's Frith, 
which is annoying because his name should be Firth, but it's Frith. And he is the head butler. Not really a lot to say about him. He's just kind of crotchety. Then there's Robert. He's the boy butler. (laughs) And then there's Clarice, who is the handmaid to the protagonist. Perfectly nice. Um, then there's Beatrice, who is Maxim's sister. He is ki- She is kind to everyone and described as masculine and kind of hardy and bodacious, I guess. Kind of like just out there and fun. Um, and then there's Giles or Giles, um, Beatrice's husband, who's sweet and um, doting on his wife. And just like they're just super cute. Then there's Ben, who's the local quote idiot unquote who hangs out by rebecca's boathouse and i said imagine like a forest gump without the smile then of course there's rebecca she is slender she has dark hair she is mysterious she is beautiful all the men want to be with her all the women want to be her she embodies everything that is sexy and glamorous basically um but she's also manipulative and wicked And she is a great character um, because she is so complex and because there's so much mystery to her. And the whole story kind of feels like you're trying to figure out who Rebecca is. And she's left this huge legacy. um, And it's like she's haunting uh, Manderly. I was going to say something and then it went away from me. But yes, Rebecca is like, like the book is named after her. You want to know about her. The protagonist is all like... (laughs) This is the like mode in which we're getting this story, but it's really about a Rebecca. Like I said, a Rebecca. Okay. <laughs> so um, when I was reading this book, it was like a roller coaster of emotions, but only like the last like 50, 100 pages was the roller coaster part. The rest of it was like the clickety clack up to the drop. It was like, oh, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? Oh, it's happening. So at the beginning, it starts and it's like the intro to the nameless main character who describes Manderly in a dream. And it's very beautiful and I loved it. And when she wakes up, she describes living out of hotels with her husband. And uh, Du Maurier like does a really good job of describing Manderly and like making you feel it and like see it in your mind. And um, and then it kind of like does like a flashback. The protagonist remembers when she was employed by Miss Van Hopper as a companion. And while they were like on vacation, um, the protagonist meets a widower named Max de Winter at the hotel in Monte Carlo. And his wife had died about a year ago previously. Uh, she had uh, drowned on her sailboat. And Miss Van Hopper is one of those people that like chases like he's not like a celebrity, but he's like got a lot of money and he's rich. So she's like chasing the wealth. And so she wants to hang out with him. And she's like, not very kind about it. she's just obnoxious. And he's like, I don't really want to hang out with her. But Miss Van Hopper gets sick. So that's when the protagonist and Maxim get to hang out. And he takes her on like drives. He's mysterious. They fall in love, sort of. He's like half of her age. So it's like a weird relationship. And he asks her to marry him instead of go to New York with Miss Van Hopper when she learns that her daughter is getting married. (laughs) He literally says to her, "Uh, no, I'm asking you to marry. I'm asking you to marry me, you little fool. Like, that's his proposal. (laughs) It's like on the list of like 
the worst proposals, that one's got to be like the top. Yeah, it's worse than Darcy's. I mean, Mr. Darcy's first proposal was pretty bad, but yeah, it was terrible. Um, but she says yes because she's in love with him. She's like enamored of him. So they go on a honeymoon in Italy and I guess they have a really good time. They don't really describe a lot about the honeymoon, but they must have had a great time. And then they return to his grand and beautiful estate in South London, Manderley. And she meets all the staff, including Mrs. Danvers, the housekeeper who's kind of creepy, cold, and unwelcoming. There are a couple butlers and Maxim's agent who, like, takes care of the money and the estate and planning of things. Who's He's very nice. And then she also meets Maxim's sister, Beatrice, and her husband, Giles. And everyone that she meets says or implies a similar thing, that she is so unlike Rebecca, who is, like, the previous wife. Like, there are so many comments, like, oh, Rebecca liked it this way, or you're so unlike her in this way. And the protagonist is just like, what? is happening and also like they keep reminding her like what rebecca used to do in certain situations like oh she had the desk in this room this way like if the protagonist wanted to change anything they would always be like Mm. well the late mrs de winter did it like this and so the protagonist just stopped asking for things which is sad um and so and like the protagonist feels super overwhelmed and overshadowed by this like ghost of rebecca so she's having a hard time in her like new marriage and maxim doesn't seem to like want to spend a lot of time with her it's a weird marriage they don't match we'll get into that later but (laughs) um he the manderley is like a huge estate it has beautiful ground it's on a beach and people like come to see it like oh we're gonna go see manderley and see what's going on and so maxim like goes to london all the time He hangs out with his wife only a little bit. And so the protagonist is left to her own devices a lot of the time. She explores the ground and the beach. She sees Rebecca's old sea cottage near the beach and she meets Ben. He's like slightly not there, kind of. And he seems afraid of Rebecca. And that's the first sign that like Rebecca is not what she's seen. And Frank also, Frank the um, agent, also peppers in like little things that favor the protagonist over Rebecca. Like, he didn't, like, he doesn't say anything explicitly, but he's like, oh, you're great, kind of thing. And also, Rebecca, or the protagonist meets Rebecca's cousin, Jack, when he shows up to visit Mrs. Danvers when Maxim is away. And it's, like, a secret. He's like, please don't, uh, they're both like, please don't tell Maxim about this. So it's, like, weird. And um, the protagonist is just, she's just not having a great time. She doubts that Maxim actually loves her. She thinks that he's too much in love with Rebecca still, like he misses her too much. And so the protagonist is pretty sad about that. And Maxim's sister, Beatrice, she likes the protagonist and she like tries to hang out with her and she takes the protagonist to go see her and Maxim's grandma who has like this crazy fit during the visit because she still thinks Rebecca is alive. It's like if I was there, like, I would feel the stress. Like, the grandma is really upset that Rebecca's not there. And she's like, what have you done with Rebecca? Where is Rebecca? And it's, like, super ominous. And so that's, like, a great time for the protagonist. And then um, while the protagonist is, like, trying to get used to, like, being a woman of the house, she realizes that Maxim and Rebecca used to have a bunch of parties, like, really big parties with a bunch of people. So she's like, 
um, maybe we should have another one. And everybody is like, we should have another one. And so they're kind of like pressured into having a annual fancy dress ball that they've had before, which technically is a costume party at Manderley. And Mrs. Danvers is super mean yeah. and tricks the protagonist into dressing up exactly Ugh. like Rebecca did at the last ball. And she was so excited about the costume that she wanted to keep it a secret from everyone so no one could tell her that it was a bad decision. Yeah. Mrs. Danvers is the worst. I just, uh, so terrible. And so Mrs. Danvers uh, thinks, I think the reason why Mrs. Danvers uh, did it is because she thinks that the protagonist like told on her with fa- like with Jack uh, like she told Maxim about her and Jack I don't think that the protagonist did so she's just being super terrible and uh, the party like we don't get any description of the party it just goes terrible for the protagonist because she has to like go hide and change into something else for the costume party so and then like after that the protagonist is like it's fine i'll just be in this marriage and we won't love each other and i'll just live for another like 40 years and be unhappy um and so after like after she like she's like all right i'll just live in this terrible marriage she also confronts mrs danvers about the dress and like mrs danvers goes like a little psycho on her and like tells her like she's not good enough to be married to maxim she's not good enough to like be the woman of the house and she can't, like, overcome Rebecca's super powerful presence at Manderley. And then, like, a crazy person, she tells the protagonist that she should jump off the balcony and kill herself. Like, huh. And the protagonist is, like, such a young person and, like, overcome with all of her sadness and insecurity that she almost does it, which is stressful. And then they hear this, like, huge explosion sound. And so a boat has hit the reef near Manderley. Maxim and like the whole household are like super helpful to the wreck ship crew. And he's Maxim is like totally avoiding his wife trying to help all these people. And like the Coast Guard is there. The police is there. They're in process of sending people to salvage the ship. And then Rebecca's sailboat is found because earlier she drowned in her sailboat and a body was found in the cabin. It's like intense murder mystery. And Maxim had previously already identified Rebecca's body. So everybody's like, who is this body? What's going on? And the body was most definitely Rebecca because her rings were on it. So the plot thickens. In like the like the midst of all this craziness, they found the body. It's probably Rebecca's because of her rings and stuff. And then the protagonist finally gets to talk to Maxim. And she's like asking for forgiveness about the whole dress fiasco. And Maxim just is like super dramatic. And he's like, Rebecca has won. And you're like, what? And then Maxim admits that he killed Rebecca and sunk her body inside of her boat. That he hated her. That she cheated on him. And she was a sneaky phony. Like, five days after they got married, she basically laid out a deal for him that she would play nice at Manderley and make it, like, a beautiful house that everybody wanted to visit, and she would, like, run the house for him. But other than that, she would do whatever she wanted, and that included having, like, the sea cottage, a house in London, and a bunch of lovers, including her cousin, Jack. And she basically put on this grand show of, like, a great person, and she everybody loved her, and they thought she was great, but she lied to everybody. And Maxim is like, okay, fine. I married you and I didn't do like my research. So I guess this is what I deserve. So he agrees to that. 
But then he like draws a line when she starts to bring like lovers to Manderly or she would like hit on Frank and Giles and Maxim was like, nope, not going to deal with this anymore. And so he like confronted her and she knew that he would never uh, win in a divorce. Like he would, she would get everything because everybody loved her. They thought that they, they, everybody thought that they were a great couple. And then she like in that confrontation, she said that she was pregnant and the child that she was carrying wasn't his, but he couldn't prove that to anyone else. And so this bastard child would be the bear to his be-, be the heir to his beloved Manderly. And he got so mad that he shot her. And the protagonist is shocked for like five seconds. And then uh, she's like, Oh, thank goodness. He never loved her. Awful. That means that he loves me. And it's kind of terrible. <laughs> it's kind of terrible. Codependency. Oh my gosh. And so it's almost <laughs> basically, and it's it's like the ghost of Rebecca is like lifted away from her shoulders and she's like, All right, um, now I'm back to being committed to this weird relationship. <laughs> weird (laughs) like earlier i was resigned to being in a loveless marriage and that was only like 10 hours ago now i'm committed to this he uh, murdered her but now he murdered her and it's all great so it's basically the most they've been in love in this in this entire book they're like passionately kissing and hugging each other and the protagonist is like we're gonna do this we're gonna be all right and there's like a investigation, obviously because of the body. Uh, Frank and the protagonist are on Maxim's side, obviously. And the inquest is like a little dodgy. And Maxim gets mad and the protagonist has to faint to like smooth it over. <laughs> but the official um, ruling is that it was a suicide. That she like caused her boat to sink. Um, and so everybody's like, okay. That's sad, but that's what we decided. And then her cousin Jack comes to visit and he's like, Maxim murdered Rebecca. I have this note that said she wanted to meet me that day to tell me something. So obviously she didn't kill herself if she had plans to meet with me. And so like the magistrate, the guy in head, magistrate, the guy in charge of the investigation goes with Maxim Jack, the protagonist to uh see mrs danvers and they have like a little mini investigation with her and miss danvers like helps them look at rebecca's diary planner thing to see that she made an appointment on that day with a doctor and they call up the doctor they visit him the next day in london and while that's happening mrs danvers is really upset because she's like wait someone possibly could have murdered rebecca and she, of course, is in love with Rebecca. And anything bad that happened, Miss Danvers is going to get upset. So after they visit the doctor, they find out that Rebecca, basically, first off, Rebecca uses Mrs. Danvers' name as a cover. So the, at first, the doctor's like, I don't know who Rebecca is. The only person in the book. And so they find out that Rebecca had a terminal disease and that she couldn't have children. Like this, like I said, the end of this book is insane. <laughs> And so everybody's like, oh, that seems to be a good enough reason for a suicide. She couldn't have children. So most definitely that's a suicide. And so everybody believed that, even Jack. And they all kind of just go their own separate ways. And Maxim calls Frank to tell him what's going on. 
And Frank tells him that Mrs. Danvers has packed all of her things and left without a trace. And Maxim gets really worried. And instead of staying in a hotel in London and driving home the next day, they like rush home and drive through the night. And the protagonist like falls asleep and wakes up and falls asleep. And then when they get to Manderley, they find out that it has been set on fire. And the beautiful estate is like, yeah. And I'm pretty sure they don't say, but I'm pretty sure that Mrs. Danvers set it on fire because she was upset about Rebecca. Oh, right. And uh, yeah, I'm like, they don't say who did it, but I'm pretty sure that it was Mrs. Danvers. Jack might have even called her and been like, so they said it's a suicide, but I think it was Maxim, which is right. (laughs) But you don't want Jack to be right. (laughs) Yeah. So it's really sad because Manderley was beautiful and it's burned to the ground now. And that's basically the end. It's very dramatic. Yay. Like there's not really a happy ending because technically the criminals have succeeded. (laughs) true (laughs) like while i was reading it yes i wanted maxim to be like free because it was described as him having like a terrible life but also after it i was like technically he did get away with murder so i don't know i don't know you know what's crazy though is like rebecca is not the murderer but i'm still afraid of her and oh, I, yeah. I haven't even seen her, but I'm afraid of her character. She's scary. She is scary because she's so good at manipulation. Like, the whole idea of her, like, the confrontation scene, like, I'm pretty sure that she planned that out. Like, she was going to try and make Maxim so mad at her that he, like, blew up. Yeah. She's, like, very conniving and mysterious and manipulative and... Just terrifying. But then Maxim is scary, too, because he murdered his wife and then just went along with life. Uh, yes. I mean, I guess it was kind of eating him up inside because everybody thought that he was upset that she was dead. But I think that he couldn't escape the action of murdering someone. Like, he couldn't get away from it. Yeah. So he became a tortured soul. <laughs> he became a poor, unfortunate soul. He deserved it. He, he kind of did. Kind of did. <laughs> he murdered someone. He literally murdered someone. <laughs> oh my gosh. Making a murderer. It's right here. Ooh. Do you think that that show, do you think that the guy in that is guilty? Oh, Have you Haley, seen it? No, I haven't seen it. I just referenced pop culture. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Haley. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounded uh, just it sounded watch like some it. true crime stuff so we can relate what i need I, you to watch true crime gonna, stuff what was i gonna tell it. you about oh i think i was gonna tell you about um did we talk about the zach efron ted bundy no okay well he's gonna he's playing he plays ted bundy in this like um oh film. you think i don't know that mariah yeah i feel like you should you think I don't know that? And Lily, Co- I know and that. Lily Collins is in it. And I think that it's... <laughs> uh, I know! And we talked about... We've talked about murderers being handsome, right? Yeah. And it's so interesting to me because I- uh, it just it's crazy because you're like, yeah, we can't believe that this beautiful person has murdered people, but they have. 
It's such BS. Like, we're so quick to think, like, oh, pretty normal-looking people. They could never do anything bad. Exactly. Exactly. It's just our brains are uh, our brains are not firing on all cylinders. <laughs> <laughs> such a good way to put it. Okay, so we need to talk about the couple. Yes, the reason for this podcast. Okay. The whole reason we're here. Exactly. Yes, correct. Exactly. Um, so we can't do cool couple names for the protagonist because she doesn't have a name. Uh, I don't really know what to Ma- Max Maximus Maximist Protagonist Maximus. I'm trying to mix protagonist and Max together, and it's not really working. Mo <laughs> Motagamist Proxim. <laughs> Whatever it is, we sink it. We sink it hardcore. Well, I sink it. Sorry for speaking for yeah. you. Yeah. I didn't know if you loved me before, but now <laughs> that I know you murdered your ex-wife, it's real. Maybe they deserved each other, but I feel like they didn't. I feel like the protagonist could have not married him and had a, such Done a different- better? Yeah. Like, <laughs> had such a different life. Now she's married to a murderer. And they live out of hotels because they don't have enough money to buy a new house? Question mark. I know. Their life turns into a Hemingway novel after that. Literally. Literally. She reads about London and they don't live there anymore. It's just they're yeah, they're not a good couple. We sink we sink them. <laughs> we sink the protagonist and Max. Right? Because she is needy and a little bit delusional, thinking that he will love her when he killed his last wife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he is a straight up murderer, and I don't think we have to say anything else. Yeah, no, he's yep, nope, no more. We sink them in the ocean with you. <laughs> uh, next, Max and Rebecca, Mabecca, which is really fun to say. <laughs> sink. Yes, we sink them. Sink them. Obviously, sink. He thought that as well. Oh man. He sunk he sunk his own relationship. Good one. We did it. We made the best joke of the podcast. Okay. Oh, that was that was pretty good. What what's the next? What is the next one? Rebecca and Jack. Jebecca. Honestly, they deserve each other. I feel I feel like yes, but then I also can't really sh- they're related. Or are they related? Did they lie about that? Who knows? <laughs> I Honestly, they can just go off on their own ship and sail away, and I don't care. So, sure, I yep, ship it. Yep, yep, they'll be gone. They got the last lifeboat. They're leaving. <laughs> I ship it across the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> as far away from me as possible. Um, and then next, I thought that the like the only redeemable like couple could be prota- the protagonist and Frank. Yes. Because, like... Frank was sweet to her in a way that Maxim was not. Like, he cared about what she was doing, how she was feeling. Like, even if it was just little things. Yeah. He was still like, hey, how's it going, protagonist? And so I feel like they probably could have worked. Yeah, they could have worked, like, in modern day. But both of them were so weak that they were just relying on this rich man. And it just sucked. Yeah. So they possibly... Could have made it. And then there's Mrs. Danvers and Rebecca. So like Ranvers or 
<laughs> Danka? Daneka? Debecca. <laughs> um, yeah, there was some interesting, there was an interesting dynamic there. It really was because she's so much older than Rebecca, probably, right? Because she's been her maid since she was a little kid. At least like 13 years older. Yeah. And so, yeah, Mrs. Danvers was like unhealthily obsessed with Rebecca and that she didn't want to admit that Rebecca was ever wrong or a bad person. Or even dead. And it was creepy. Yeah, she just was like, we're going to keep everything exactly the same and pretend that she's alive. Yeah, like she could just walk back through the door any minute. Like, I'm pretty sure the protagonist said that. Like, it feels like she could just walk around the corner any minute, which is part of the reason I'm terrified of Rebecca, because that's such a scary thought. (laughs) So, like, when I was reading it at first, before I got to any of the scary stuff, I was like, is Rebecca going to be alive or is it going to be more of a ghost? Yeah. Like, is it going to be more of a ghost story? That's what I was thinking. Like a Gone Girl Mm -hmm, situation. mm -hmm. Exactly. Actually, wait. I haven't seen Gone Girl. I've only seen The Girl on the Train, which I feel (sighs) like is- Dude, you need to see Gone Girl. It is so good. It's on my list of 12 movies to watch this year. (laughs) Okay. I have a list, and it's on there. It's definitely on there. Um, But yeah, so I thought it was going to be a little bit more like paranormal. So, But it still was because you're just like- she is there. Her ghost is there. It's just like in people's it's minds. It's spooky. It's eerie. Yeah. And then the ship that was the most successful of the entire book, Beatrice and Giles. Yes. A lovely couple. Like we Yes. We want this ship to sail. We want this ship to be like a grand cruise ship. Yeah. With parties and lights. <laughs> I was going to say, don't leave that part out because we are re-recording this and that was in the original and it was a great analogy. They are a party cruise. It's a great – basically, that's our top tier for ships. If we say that they are a cruise liner, they're the creme de la creme. (laughs) They're a carnival cruise. (laughs) Or princess. I've only been on princess cruise. I bet they're probably the same. Booze cruise, yes. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, so we definitely ship Beatrice and Giles because they're like actually understand each other. They actually talk to each other right. and they're sweet. Uh, it's great. And they don't murder people. Exactly. Main point. No murder. <laughs> and like Beatrice is like a good person. She's like worried about her brother, but not so much that she's so obsessed with him. She's like, well, I hope that he's okay and I'm going to check on him, but I'm also not going to let his like tortured soul take over my life. Yeah, you're not going to bring me down, boy. <laughs> Sad boy. Sad boy. <laughs> uh. Maxim is a hashtag uh. sad boy. Sad boy with an I. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. But yeah. So what were our favorite slash weird things slash quotes? Um, okay. I think at the very beginning, like the like uh, when she was describing Mandalay in the dream, my favorite thing was like the quote was a dreamer. I walked enchanted and nothing held me back. Like that's just such a cool line. It makes me want to use it to like to describe myself. I'm like mm-hmm. nothing holds me back. I'm a dreamer, yo. Yeah. <laughs> so I really like that. <laughs> Yeah. Um. So the opening scene overall is 
regarded as one of the greatest in the history of literature, with which I think is awesome, obviously, because it's a female author and it's like a book about women and I don't know. It's just cool. So one of the quotes is um, it's the opening line. Last night, um, I dreamt I went to Manderley again. It seemed to me as I stood by the iron gate leading to the drive and for a while I could not enter for the way it was barred to me. Um, And then she goes on to describe the house in great detail. It's abandoned and lonely and grown over with vines. Um, You get this haunted feeling. Um, And of course, we know now that the house is burnt down, so this is impossible. But um, that's why it's a dream and it's symbolic. Um, So you get this haunted feeling um, like she had memories of the home, like she had already been there. Um, And we know that even at the beginning before we've read through it. And she says, nature had come into her own again, and little by little, in her stealthy, insidious way, had encroached upon the drive with long, tenacious fingers. So reading that now, after solving the mystery of who Rebecca is and what she looked like and how she behaved and how she died um, and the legacy of her after her death, um, we kind of know that nature is Rebecca reclaiming her home completely after death and so it's kind of like in this dream this is how I like to think of it in this dream she's kind of like haunting the home and the protagonist is like visiting that haunted house and like Maxim had said like Rebecca has won like ultimately she did she won the entire book yeah exactly yes and I think that that is so cool (laughs) Like, I know that she's evil, (laughs) but it's just such a – she's such a fun character. Exactly, exactly. And that's what, like, one of the things that was sad to me because before we learned that Rebecca's, like, a bad person, she seems like a great person. Like, she's independent and glamorous and awesome. And it's kind of sad that, like, she was made into, like, this evil, cheating liar and then it was also like like it gave like it gave Maxim a reason to kill her, which is like ridiculous, but that's how it's framed in the novel. And then also, of course, she's yeah. more imperfect because she can't have kids. Like it made me a little bit sad, but she is a really good villain. I think that she's not supposed to be a complete villain, like even though I am scared of her, <laughs> I think that she's supposed to be a complicated figure. And I do think that Daphne du Maurier like knew what she was doing mm-hmm. um, in that she was writing a strong woman and she was a villain, but there's a lot more layers to it than that. And I think that that's really beautiful because I don't think that every woman should have to be all of these wonderful things in mm-hmm. every book that you read or every movie you see or TV show. Like um, actually I was just listening to – Zach Shepard's podcast, Armchair Expert, yeah. and he had Jillian Flynn on, and she's the one that wrote Gone Girl, uh-huh. and she was talking about how people are like, you're anti-feminist because you wrote this evil woman, and she was like, well, you should be able to write every type of woman mm-hmm. because that's like what real equality looks like, yes. and it's like empowering that you could have a woman that's not nice and sweet and strong and you know all positive things mm-hmm. that she has. A bad side too exactly and so like it's she's ultimately like a really great character and a foil for the protagonist yeah who's barely there at all 
Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Who's barely there at all. (laughs) Like, she doesn't even have a name. Like, you forget. Like, if she wasn't telling the story, you forget about her immediately. Yeah. So. Like, who's the real ghost here? Ooh. (laughs) Not Rebecca. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah. So, ultimately... I think it's a great book. I'm happy that we got to read it because I had never read it before. This was my like first reading. So I like that when I can find new books that are pretty great. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, so is that it? I think that that's it. <laughs> we did it. Yay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I okay. hope you liked it, Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. (laughs) What content? Okay. It's all you, bro. Okay. So, as I stated in the beginning of the episode, we have a special announcement. We are looking for some advertisement opportunities, but before we can do that, we need your help. We want to be a big grown-up podcast with real ads and real income, and we want to be able to do this more consistently and put out episodes more consistently. So we need your help. So please fill out our survey. It's at SurveyMonkey. And the link for that is um, surveymonkey.com forward slash r forward slash tdm297l. And we will provide the link for that, obviously, on our Facebook page and probably on our Instagram too. That will help us to know what kind of demographics you guys are, what kind of statistics we're getting in, what kind of interests you guys have so that our ads can be more tailored to your interests and to who you are. And that'll make it a better experience for you and for us, probably. Yes. Let us know what you care about. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So if you would like to get in touch, why? Just kidding. So If you would like to get in touch with us, please don't sit at a dead woman's desk and write us letters with the pen she used to use. There are easier ways. We have an Instagram. It's at Lit and Love Pod. We have a Facebook page. It's Lit and Love Podcast. We are on Apple Podcasts. Please download the pod and give us a review. We thank you kindly. We are also on SoundCloud with all the other super super cool creative people um for business inquiries you can email us at litinlovepod at gmail.com thank you to everyone who's already followed our social media and reached out to us with support and reviews it means a lot to us um we're very small and independent right now we need all the support we can get our hands on and yeah recommend us to your nerd friends thank you thank you Bye. Bye. See you later. Talk to you later. Be in your ears later. All that good stuff.